Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. My name is Blake Fisher, and I am joined by Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons um, because we host this podcast. That's what we're doing here. Uh, mm. We're glad you joined us, and we thank you for joining us. We'd love if you subscribed to us, if you rated our podcast, five stars preferably, of course, because like, what are you doing <laughs> if you give us two? Like, It's kind of a one or five star thing. I feel like, I don't know, just don't don't pick the middle. Like, yeah. get out of the middle lane, pick a five-star, one-star lane. Either one of those work fine. Uh, Don't be and, a weirdo. Don't waste your or my time with anything but one- or five-star reviews. Yeah. I, that That's just a general way to go about life. Same thing on Amazon, by the way. Like, I feel like, well, no, there's a good reason to give a three-star yeah. review. on It's like, hey, this is cheap. It works okay. It's three stars. That's fine. But, like, on a podcast... It's a little bit more like it's like either like it or you don't. And that's fine. Yeah. Either way, if you don't like it, uh, you know, sorry. Sorry that we can't do better for you. But uh, if you do like it, five stars. That's what we want. Uh, today, we are talking about the only album at the time, although they've recorded one since, but by acceptance called Phantoms. And Mr. Kyle Simmons is going to tell us about that album, what little he could find on the <laughs> internet. <laughs> so here's the thing. I did I did find very little, but I do I do have some nice little tidbits to share. Uh I mean one of them being uh we were we were we we almost never discuss anything about the podcast before the podcast. We were just discussing this. It it's gotta feel pretty good to know that uh Rick Rubin and Matt Penfield discovered this band. Uh that that's that's I don't know that there are two bigger names in in you know music production and A and R like like for think? the last thirty years, right? I mean, Rick Rubin is still cranking out yeah gigantic hit records. Oh yeah, hit machine, and not only that, but Beastie Boys. I mean, yeah, right. There you go. There Everything you from it. Beastie Boys to Dixie Chicks to Johnny Cash to he did the Dixie Jay Z. Yeah, Guys, one of their newer ones. Who are he the did the Dixie their... Chicks. I'm or, not sorry, familiar. the Chicks. I'm never oh, gonna call them that. The, the Dixie okay. Chicks. Country Western outfit. Sorry, oh, yes. the French word for ten is somehow racist. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean Rick Rubin. Oh, God, that's a okay. good guy to have on your side. Um, all right. I would say, although. Wait, wait, pro- but <laughs> foreshadowing <laughs> it might not work out. But go ahead, sometimes. Kyle. Tell us more. Tell us more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm basically gonna fly through like the the small facts, and then we can talk a little bit more about the album. And uh, honestly, let's talk about what went wrong. You were, what, what went wrong? Oh, yeah. And and also like I think it, we always talk about don't listen to this if you don't know the record. But I assume that like I assume that the people who love this genre music are going to love this record. I don't know anybody that hates it. Um, but I feel like the perception of who this band was for me was completely off just because I did, I did catch them live several times and man, they were, they were the real deal. I'll, I'll get into that in a second. I'll just hit you guys with a few facts. Uh, the album was released April 26, 2005 uh, it was recorded between June and July in 2004 uh, in uh, Seattle, Washington with Mr. Aaron Sprinkle. Pretty cool dude. Uh, and, and it was released on Columbia. Mm, <laughs> Wikipedia says it's pop punk. It's not. Uh, but It's not pop punk at all. <laughs> There's nothing no. punk about this album Where, at all. But yeah. Near that. Um, 
so the the craziest thing and and really there's not even a ton about this maybe i i assume blake you might know a little bit about this but the the one of the first things that went wrong with this record is uh it, it was leaked nine months early which that, was that like right after they mastered it? I mean, like, I, 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 <laughs> if they I, recorded it in June and it released in April and it leaked nine months early, it's got to be like that, that's an internal, you know, <laughs> they must have literally had the, it must have been the raw files that they got leaked or something. But gosh, yeah, that nine months early is bad. Two weeks early was bad back then, but nine months is definitely bad for a record release in 2005. But, um, it is, it, it, it gained. This album is is most uh, notorious for being one that got ate up in the um, Sony BMG extended copy protection software uh, package. What a cluster cuss that was! Yeah, so I don't really know. I, I don't really understand much about all of that, and I I can I tell you more about it if you okay, want. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So give us a little bit of that. So what happened is that Sony. Uh, therefore Columbia, because they had merged at the time, uh, tried to do this copyright protection stuff on CDs that wouldn't basically let you rip it into a computer the way that you could with other stuff. It's like you still could, but you couldn't like copy it, I guess, to another... I can't remember exactly what the technology was, but basically it had like a... It had a vulnerability in it that if you had that in your computer, it basically did some sort of check on the web to see if it was the real CD or not. And if it was not the real CD, it somehow protect, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know how the technology worked, but I do know this part. It like allowed people to hack into your computer. Basically someone found a vulnerability on that check that it did on the web and could oh, access your computer. And like, you know, it was like a zero day kind of thing where they could just like, they could like ruin your computer basically infect it with a virus or whatever. And it was this huge deal because they figured it out. Like, in December, I think, of 2004, maybe or 2005, whatever it was, whatever the year was that it happened. And basically, they had to recall all those records. So if you released a record in that like three-month period of time, uh, you got screwed. So like Switchfoot's second record was like that. Not second record, but their second big one that followed The Beautiful Letdown. Like it had released like the week that this news comes out because it's all mm. over the news. So everyone stops buying. So it just, it ruined all of those releases. There is not a single Columbia or Sony release that happened in that like six month span of time that was successful because they basically had to shelve them all yep. or push back their release dates. And that's probably what happened to Acceptance actually is that my guess is since they came out in April... They they had to like recall the records and then and push back the release would be my guess is what actually so, happened. So they so they kind of did a mixture of that. They they did recall the records, but the but like the single was still being pushed and then they just then they, then they just re, re like not even re released it like oh okay records are back in stores didn't promote it or anything so yeah basically um, all the the Columbia just said to all those artists like sorry we'll just do another one and they for most people they were like oh we'll just we'll do another record sorry and yeah. which is like easy for the label to say um but obviously um it's hard to write an album <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> and so Yeah, uh, it's art. <laughs> yeah, a bunch just, of people like, worked on these it. albums and they just got, you know, hammered by this thing. So there's like strike two. Let record yep. releases nine months early on the internet. Uh everyone already has it. Uh second, there's a like a virus that can destroy your computer if you put this C D inside of it. So that's strike two. 
keep telling us the strikes, Kyle. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I will keep telling you the strikes. I mean, honestly, it the the Wikipedia stuff it it's not even worth really going through. It's just it's just super basic. We could you if you own the album, you could probably find out what's on Wikipedia. But um, I found probably a really more. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I found a really interesting article. Uh, Alternative Press put out, and it's a little bit deceiving. I I think I think we can link to it in the show notes, Blake. Yeah, um, we can do but, that. Yeah, but um. The, the article was backtracking acceptance tell the story behind different. And, and I believe the purpose of this article was to just talk about the song. But this article came out um, May 4th, our birthday, birthday buddy, <gasps> oh. uh, 2015, just six years ago, uh, when, they, when they were, you know, uh, asked to play, what is it? Uh, I'm going to get this wrong and sound like a, an idiot. Sun and Surf. Is that right? The the big festival. I have no idea. Anyway, there's that. It's what brought them out and uh, back out. They they were asked to play that, and they had uh, rekindled their friendships. And anyway, this article, instead of being just about different, it ended up being about uh, phantoms. They're just all the things that went wrong. And I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs from it. Uh, it is a really, really fascinating read. If you if you love this album at all, I highly recommend that you check it out. So, um, they they're quoted as saying, uh, "All the mistakes were made by us and the label, by management, everybody, everyone was to blame." At the forefront of these problems was the label's insistence to tout a ballad different as the single and subsequently sinking six figures into it. Morale slumped when the song didn't hit, and subsequent demos for the second album were shut down by Columbia. What that experience did was take all of that passion away. Not only did it turn the music into a business, but internally as a band, as soon as you start second-guessing yourselves, then you start second-guessing each other, then you start second-guessing everything. And... um. I will tell you that, like, they say six figures. Yeah, they said that they spent, like, $100,000 to make a music video for Different. It They they basically had no control over how it was going to go. They basically were told that Different was going to be the single. And if it, in basically, when they tried to fight that, they were basically told to fall in line. You know, we're a major label. We know what we're doing. They thought that Matt Penfield would we fight might have for them. just We might have just like released viruses into your computer, but we know <laughs> what we're doing. Hey, virus aside, we're pretty yeah, vi- good at this. We, I think I know, know what his up. single. And 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 um, anyway, he, he, they go on to say, I I think, I think commercially, I want to say the album has sold like 140 thousand copies, which is nothing to be ashamed of. But I will say this. I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. I saw this band live like three times before this record came out. And dude, they're the freaking real deal. And I have a feeling that what I saw is exactly what the label saw. And it's why they had all these negative experiences. Uh, If you didn't see acceptance or you've never seen acceptance, they are beautiful men. They are. That play instruments. And I'd like to think that if they weren't so beautiful, um, it's possible that they didn't push this band in in that direction, that they didn't try. Because I don't know if you guys remember that like Jason Vena comes out 
in like that like sports coat in the video and like it's I don't just even kind remember of the video i don't know if i've seen the video it's actually, just kind but... of I, like I, I don't get the vibe that they were necessarily against the video obviously you're signed to a major label i think yeah. that's kind of an exciting thing but it definitely wasn't this band that i saw uh in these clubs who freaking killed it i mean they they killed it live but um, i mean i specifically remember them being very handsome fellas. Oh my like, gosh. Like way better them. looking than every band I'd ever seen. Like they, they other were, than Happy Endings. Our buddies Happy Endings from uh, from Springfield, Missouri. They were also they, on par with the good lookingness of Acceptance. Dude, but I mean. But in were, a similar story. And the same. Yeah. Almost the same story and the same kind of like level of talent as far as like they were awesome live. Like Acceptance yep. freaking ripped. They oh were one gosh. of the first bands I saw that wore in-ears. And yep. it made like you could tell the difference it made uh, but, on stage. But I mean, like, seriously, it, I mean, we're joking about it, but like really statuesque looking men playing music that sounds wonderful and they're doing it really well. And they're doing it in these club scenes with these other bands that <laughs> that aren't as pretty. I think I think Columbia saw dollar signs in that and thought that, you know, oh, well, we've got this ballad. We can push this and this is easy. We'll just do this. Exactly. We're gonna we're gonna Gilmore girls the F out of this is what I thought. Right, but what here's what's here's what doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Columbia here's what's here's what's weird to me is that Columbia is one of my favorite major labels at the time. Totally. Like, they they really do a much better job than most of the other labels I felt like. And like I said, obviously I'm not on the label. I don't have like inside information, but like I just looked at the stuff they were turning out and they seemed like they did they were doing a really good job at the time. At a time when there was a lot of turmoil going on, there were labels merging and stuff like that, but Columbia was doing a pretty good job I felt like and had some pretty good artists and seemed to manage them pretty well, but I you know that's not, I mean, I said this earlier before we started the podcast, but I think probably for every good major label experience, there's at least nine or 10. That's probably the lowest end of the spectrum of really bad things that we don't ever hear about. This yeah. album happens to be something that, you know, got around, obviously. Saw and people the did light hear. of day. Saw the light of day. Uh, we we have other friends. I mean, it's happened to some of us that, yeah. uh, you know, the stuff never saw the light of day, so you never heard of it, but... Um, so it, it just, it always seemed weird. It seemed like, uh, um, this story seemed strange for me from Columbia, but maybe it's just because it was a band I liked. I well, know. so I will say this, uh, they said that they, one of the things that convinced them about, uh, Columbia is, was Matt Pimfield. Matt Pimfield had street cred. He was, he was a band's dude, right? And yeah. Ruben. Well, Matt, Matt, well, Matt Pinfield had left. Oh Yeah. And so, it's because they merged, probably. Yeah, because yeah, it was when they merged with Sony. And so mo what happened, we've talked about this on the podcast over and over again. Yep. It's like, you got signed, major labels merged. Everyone that was there when you got signed was not the, there the when team. they were developing you. <laughs> and and so it's like, you know, you're no one's baby, which means yep. no one's going to be fight for you. So unless you happen to catch someone in the new crew that's there that is like, I love this band and I'm going to push them. You're just screwed. And really the truth is most people don't want to do that in A&R and stuff like that. They want to pick their baby and then and and push that thing. And so it, we know so many bands this happened to in the early 2000s and it sucks because most of them were most of them definitely had the talent and deserved to be successful and on a major label. Like or, or, it's not or a shot, right? A yeah. fair shot. A fair yeah, shot. Yeah, fair shot to, as a is a great um way to put it. So um one thing that I wanted to share with you guys that I didn't know, and it's in this article, but it's definitely worth mentioning. I think it's fascinating and and 
and uh, par for the course. But, you know, strike 10 four, or are 11. Are we at four or five <laughs> now? <laughs> I don't know. It's um, not baseball anymore. we got to use a different analogy. Strike it, is, <laughs> is, um, He's out. Again, he's been out for a while. So, it's like T-ball where you just get to keep swinging. Okay. Yep, yeah, everybody, <laughs> you swing till you hit. Swing till um, you hit. Okay. So originally, acceptance they the reason that they put out the uh, EP on the militia group they were signed to Columbia at the time but they thought it would be better for them for the circuit that they were touring in and for their fans and for a little bit of credibility for them to be able to release something on a smaller label which a lot of people do that yeah. uh, it's it's a it's a good it's a it's a tried formula right like it's 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 a good thing Columbia well, so they, did it with several people on absolutely group. yeah so they so they did that and um and then they they Columbia wasn't sure that they wanted to use Aaron Sprinkle. Well the band fought for it, okay? And then Columbia fell in love with so in love with the song Different that they hired um Howard Benson to re-record Different. And we have never heard that version. But Howard oh. Benson's version of Different with uh the Lord Alge brothers oh, yeah. uh, uh, working on it as well was more expensive than the entire record with Aaron Sprinkle. So they at, they doubled their budget that they owed back to the label. And for, a single, they, for a single that never got released. For a single that never got released. <laughs> as a cheap guy that likes to like use his money wisely for the most part. Not that I don't have some frivolous spins. I've got seven guitars behind me right now. Um, but uh, that drives me crazy that like as a band, you have no control over that kind of idiocracy. <laughs> it's well, like... hold on. Wait, wait, wait. The the single different was never released. No, 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 the, no version that, that, the version, oh, the version, the version, the version. I'm sorry. The, the, that's right. The version we ended up hearing it's was not, Aaron yeah. Sprinkles version. original version, and 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 it's great. So, uh, and that's the other thing. Like, I don't want to. I feel like we're off on, on a little bit of a bad foot because it sounds like I'm speaking negatively about different. It, it that's not it at all. It's just it should have been pushed as the first single though. It should have been absolutely, the third. absolutely. And so, um, and also, I had I had a freaking uh, I had a very similar situation. I don't know if I told you guys this, but when uh, when we did our record, I had to uh, I had to fly out to this dude that worked on REM's record. There's a snowflakes chance this guy's listening. That's why I'm telling you this story. <laughs> and, uh, and and uh, and he they insisted uh, the label insisted that he he re uh, mix these songs. He remixed four songs that were going to be potential singles, and we paid him. $25,000 for 24 hours of work. I was in his house. He was a total freaking weirdo. <laughs> and the mixes, <laughs> I hated the mixes. And it was definitely a situation of like almost doubling my budget Ugh. for something that we didn't use. So like I, this, this one hits close to home for me, uh, but like way more expensive. So I can't imagine how, how just deflating it was that after the label put so much in and forced their hands so much with different that then different didn't succeed as, as a single. Can I give you a, um, 
let's not call it like a way out there theory, but let's just call it a theory that is a little bit weird. Do you know what I think maybe happened with Columbia? And I don't know what made me think of this band. Do you know what single was a huge hit for Columbia in 2002? Is Our Lady Pieces somewhere out there, which is very ballady, right? Uh, uh, so and th- it's a little like different. And I oh, and and then you had like Switchfoot, Dare to Move, and some other ones on Columbia all within a couple years of each other. And I bet they were like just going, well, we can get that money again. And I don't know. In, 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 the same, in this same article, Jason Venus says it was actually the culprit and we can all collectively still hate them. Hoobastank, uh, <laughs> oh, with Hoobastank. the reason they weren't on Columbia though, were they? No, no but, but that the was a reason was single. the biggest song in the world. And everyone was like, this is better than the reason. And it is better than the reason. Um, but it's not the Plus, same Plus you can thing. hit those notes. On 100%. Like, yeah. The other, the other one that they mentioned that they were super frustrated by a Columbia band, um, Oh, over my head. Uh, the fray, so uh, yeah, they were one. But the that fray got, is not a like that's their thing. Yeah, but like, also the fray uh, had they they dealt with the uh, with the uh, whatever the software that we talked about. They were same boat, and but then the label continued to push that single for like a full year, and then it finally caught yeah. with acceptance. They were like, nah, dude. They said they said they pushed the single for one month. So anyway, we'll we'll link that in the show notes. It's a fascinating uh, it's a fascinating read because it's the uh, guitarist Christian who went on to play for Amberlin, which it's mind blowing to me having seen both these bands. I love Amberlin. There's nothing wrong with Amberlin. They're wonderful, but in my mind, Acceptance was such a bigger band, and it, that's no, not no. even close to the truth. Um, yeah, in real life, Amberlynn's like. Oh my gosh, uh, acceptance is a shadow of of what of what Amberlynn is. So, yeah, that's a the Hoobastank thing is a great point, Kyle. I mean, it's like, well, I mean, that is, you read it or whatever, but I mean, you're right. There was a series of hits in that period of time where, like, the first big hit from a band was Ballady, and. And to be fair, like the Our Lady Peace example was like the, the Our Lady Peace of the 90s and that version that came out. Literally, I did not recognize it was that band until I saw the video and was like, oh, that's Our Lady Peace? I had no idea. But, you know, there were some huge kind of power, power ballad things that kind of had a resurgence there. And I didn't really think about that. And so it's not that that makes it completely misguided. I think that maybe even if they pick the right single, if they pick the right single, maybe all those other things still sideline this album. Unfortunately, because they had so many things, and then they have member problems. And I like that the band kind of owns up and said that like everyone messed up. Like it's easy to lay blame on Columbia or management yeah. or whoever, but like you know they had internal problems too. And I'm sure that once, yeah, well they once, were deflated. You know, it's yeah, I can see why you would be. Also, I, mean, I, I wanted to mention because we talked about this. La- we talked about uh, Piach Fork. Shout out uh, last <laughs> last uh, last episode. I put it in the notes, by the way, as Piach Fork. <laughs> I saw that. Was, okay, go episode. Hence, henceforth, Piach Fork. Okay, um, that's fine. So, uh, so all music uh, rated this album two out of five stars, and and uh, they have since corrected it and said we were wrong. And gave it four out of five stars. They did not take the article down, so you can still read that they read that they wrote stupid wrong things. I appreciate that, but they corrected their score. I appreciate that. All music. I, that was very amazing to me that they. I saw that that yeah. they changed their score later, and 
what but 10 years later right or something yep. ridiculous yeah maybe 12 i don't i don't, I don't oh, know it took him like 25 with pinkerton yeah <laughs> or, I, I mean that was rolling stone but still I, um, yeah i don't know i i just i i can't, can't help but if i'm these guys i'm just like oh thank you so much guys this is so helpful now that our our yeah. band imploded and our careers are over uh, yeah may, maybe you thank give you us the proper star score earlier has anyone there's probably an article out there that's done this i would love to see the like original review for the most popular albums of all time and i bet most of them do not line up with what the masses thought of those albums oh, you know sure what i mean not. i just i feel like they i feel like it's just it's a hard job probably but um i mean but, but i feel like they get it wrong more than they get it right a lot of times well, they're like this is a five star album i'm like i don't understand why i'm supposed to like this album i feel like that happens all the time <laughs> to but me also where i'm that- like that 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 knife cuts both ways, right? Because like we know we know bands that suck that are gigantic. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, and and who cares what? No, you know, there is no band out there that's doing it for critics. I mean, I do not. I've never met one. I've never met a musician that's like I'm trying. I just want the critics to like me. They want they want, <laughs> they want fans yeah. to like them. They want people yeah, right because critics a don't spend money on you whatsoever, yeah. and so it's like you know a, a good review is a nice thing to have for sure because it can get you exposure to fans, yeah. but it's more of a tool than it is anything else. We got a really Absolutely. bad review, not a bad review, but the <laughs> the best review we ever got on which is like probably still on Apple Music for minutes too far for me and Chris was uh, they reviewed our album, and I, I can't remember, what what's the first track? Something You Really Ought to Know, which had like some woos in it. And then the second track was called Uh-Huh, and the, and the, in the review it was like, this song has a couple extra woos that were left over from the first song. <laughs> 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 and I was like, touche, that's a Man. fair point, sir. It wasn't like mean, it was just, it was kind of funny. It was, hey, uh, it was pretty good. Uh, I have one online review. It's a video review. It says Rockwell Social sucks, and the band that they're videotaping is not Rockwell Social. <laughs> uh, well, that's I guess encouraging. I, mean, yeah, I actually, I, I actually thought it was pretty funny. I feel like you got to leave that one up. But, and uh, like, and like this dude, the the video is playing, and he's like. You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, that's, and he did like, that's really funny. Okay, yeah. so we've talked about what went wrong. Let's talk about our first impressions, which I don't think did go wrong. But uh, Chris, let's start with you. What What was your first impression of the band? When did you hear about them, etc.? cetera? Uh, so I definitely heard about Acceptance through the Militia Group, their EP. Uh, I always get this wrong. Battle Black Lines for Battlefields. Black Lines for Battlefields, yes, yes. Um and you know, I, I don't know it. This band wasn't exact, wasn't exactly what I was into. But I mean, I with the EP, I mean, I could tell that they were like, you know, I really liked it, and I really liked the um, the opening single on the EP, which they redo on this record. I think they redo it, Kyle. Do they? They, do. they re-record permanent? Yeah, and and okay. also, I'm I mean, I'm gonna side with you. That EP is is not near as yeah. good as this album. No, so yeah, it's not. yeah. Yeah, so that was I my first impression of the band. Um, but I always thought of Acceptance as the biggest band on Militia Group. Like even at the well, time, I remember thinking yeah. they, oh, they, they're just they were like the the cream of the crop. Well, they probably know? were at 140 thousand records. I mean, like what was the bigger record on Militia at that point? Uh, there wasn't anything until there probably Cartel. wasn't. Yeah, yeah, Cartel is is the only Cartel's thing that, the thing that yeah, yeah eclipses it, but probably nothing else is 140. And then you know I. 
when the album came out, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't super like my speed. It wasn't an album that I just was like crazy about. I mean, I had it, I bought it. I, I listened to it all the time. Um, obviously different. I thought was just, it, it is a really good song. Columbia was not wrong. Like it, no, 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 I, they're not. It's uh, yeah. just not the f- and, first introduction to the band. Yeah. Probably. And I remember seeing it on a um, commercial, I think for like a, a reality show or something. Well, yeah. That different was, uh, you know, and I, that I thought that was so I, at the time, like because ba- bands like that weren't that you, you didn't see that happen very often. So I was just sure they were going to be gigantic. And, <laughs> again, let's talk about like they were good live and very mm-hmm. good looking. I mean, they yeah. had like the things that made me go, "Oh, they'll be successful." Like they it were just touring. Package. They were touring with everybody back like yeah. then. They were touring with all the bands I liked, so everything was there. Um, yeah. yeah, that was my first impression. Kyle, yours, uh, how'd you hear about them? What was your first impression? uh, I am certain that one or both of you dudes were at one or both of these shows, but I saw them open for uh, Seosin and um, and Anne Berlin one time, and then they opened for Yellow Card another time. Was that at the Green Door? Yes. Yes. I, that was the show they, I was at. And yeah. They killed it. Killed it. <laughs> yeah. They killed it. And they, and again, um, we're, we're, we can go back to it. Like, so handsome and per <laughs> and like perfect. They played. They nailed it. And like, yeah. it may be why in my mind they were bigger than what they were because it's like, in my in, in I think everybody's like, if you can't make this band famous you can't make anyone famous, right? Like this yeah. is, this is it. This is an A&R reps meal ticket. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, they, they were incredible. I, I loved it from the beginning. I do completely agree with what Chris is saying in that. Like, I thought the EP was really good, but I, I specifically remember picking up their EP at the first show that I caught them at the green door. I think, I think they came to Oklahoma city like three times within a year. And, um, I think I saw them all three times. I, I, the very first thought I had when I listened to that EP was they are a better band than this EP. Like their, like their live performance is better than, than I think that this EP. Yeah. It's almost like they couldn't capture it or something. Like they were actually, they were very good live. And it was, um, I said, I did not go to that show to see acceptance. I had heard of acceptance, but I was not paying attention to it. But that, I mean, I remember, I, I forgot that it was opening for yellow card. I just remember seeing them and being like, they really are great live. They're good looking. They're doing in-ears. It made such a difference. Just not having that stage noise at the green door Uh of the live wedges. Uh, And I was just like, wow, these guys are, and it felt very like, I mean, they felt really professional, like way more so than almost any band I'd seen at the green door because they got in ears. They were like great. They had the moves. They had the looks. They and like on top of all that, like I said, they sounded really good. Like they oh, impressed man. me. And I remember hearing those songs and being like, "All right, I need to check this band out." Um, obviously because uh, well, they're kind of they, blowing me away right now. They were one of those bands that uh, that like their background vocals were great live. You know what I mean? And like, oh, you're right. That uh, is exactly right. Which was so rare. So many people Very just rare. didn't. They just skipped the background vocal part. Like totally. they just didn't really have someone in the band that could pull that off. But yeah, they were nailing it. And and yeah. that was a rare thing too. I felt like back then, especially it they was. had a couple guys that were doing the yeah. background vocals. Yeah, like the one did. guy. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Kyle. I forgot about that. But gosh, man, yeah, I was at that. that so that's my first impression. It was that same show, that yellow yeah. card show, um, which was, um, yeah, they're really good and. Uh, and then, yeah, I like the album. I mean, and I do feel like uh, 
in my circle of people that I hung out with, like everyone had this album and yeah. liked it. Yeah. Now, most of them may have gotten it illegally uh, now that I <laughs> now that yeah, I realize early. it was leaked nine months earlier or whatever. Um, I think I, um, I'm almost for sure I had the legit copy of this um, purchased. Well, if I, I didn't, I, 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 I bought it. I bought eventually. it. Yeah. I mean, was I, it? I never downloaded stuff back then. I might have ripped it from a friend, but. Um, was it the classic red st- CD still that Columbia always did? They don't always do that. I don't think they right, did that. Right, but I can't remember one. on this CD if it was no, like No, I'm pretty not. sure it's like the album cover. Okay. I'll have to look that up. But Because uh, I think it was still like in Elise's car. Uh, it got stolen in her Honda Civic, like, I don't know, <laughs> when we were dating in 2007 or something like that at Katie's Salon. It was parked uh, there and it got broken into, and I'm pretty sure the acceptance CD finally got stolen out of her, kids, <laughs> her CD visor. Kids these days don't have to even worry about that. Have we talked about that before? I think we mentioned that before, like how devastating it was when your oh, I got a whole book stolen. Yep, your magazine of CDs got stolen, and um, yeah, had to start over. Yeah, that was a that was a bummer. Um, okay, so let's uh, should we jump into track by track? Let's or do, do you have any other tidbits for us, Kyle? I'm sure you'll have some more tidbits as we go along. Yeah, right? maybe so, but I mean, honestly, like. I, I feel like that one article gave me just a a uh, a plethora of uh, of cool little uh, facts that an album that only sold one hundred forty thousand and Wikipedia doesn't give a crap about. Um, yeah, yeah, and one hundred forty k that's not that's not bad considering um, it got leaked nine months earlier. I think that really does show that like I think Columbia really messed up because if you can still push one hundred forty k with all those other factors that went wrong. Right. Uh, I think, and, and keep in mind, I guarantee for every CD bought in 2005, there were four burned of that CD, oh, yeah. if oh, not yeah. more. Uh, and so kind of extrapolate. Like I said, most of my friends had this album. I mean, I remember a lot of people liking it. So, um, yeah. Uh, so not, yeah, we looked up the CD. It's blue and black, yeah. but it's not. And it has so. a giant FBI warning on it. <laughs> It's like the biggest FBI warning. It goes right in line with the story about that. Apparently it's at this time they were like, Oh, we can get through this whole burning thing. We'll just scare everybody. And uh, we'll this put, is the way we'll put a, a super secret, a software untested software program on here. Everything here's what's funny. Fine. They probably spent more money uh, coming up with this technology for the CDs than they, than Apple did to build the iTunes store. And probably. they could have just done that instead. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> You like could have just like figured out like, hey, how can we sell digital music to people? I mean, like, and instead they were like, well, we'll just let malware get on people's uh, devices. So, all right, let's go to track one. Take cover. Here we go. As per the usual, Chris Monier's air drumming, so he gets to go first. What are your thoughts on track one, take cover of this album? Instantly, when this song starts playing, and that there, it, it, there's something about his vocals. Mm. It's just so smooth. I put like butter, butter, but I don't know how to describe it. They're just like 
it's they're like not abrasive. They're not in your face. It never feels like he's straining. Um, and this song freaking jams. The guitar stops on the chorus. Um, it, it's a perfect 2005 guitar solo. Yeah. Um, and it definitely holds up. It, it came. It came up on like a, you know, one of those like discovery playlists on either iTunes. <laughs> You're or, like, I've heard of this. <laughs> no, no, it was like one of those like oh, okay. it, where it was trying to be like, hey, you might you haven't listened to this song in a while, and oh, I was okay. like, I haven't iTunes. This is great. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I, I've, it's been in my rotation for years, just throwing it on playlists all the time because I love this tune. Yeah, take cover. Kyle, what are your thoughts? Uh, freaking kick butt tune. I mean, also, what a great way to start this record. Like, yeah. it's a great opening track. Uh, I I love I love the like real quick piano intro, and also we've talked about stuff like this before. Like this song live, I did get to see them after this record came out. Like the whole crowd is waiting. For them to start this teeny intro so they can all scream the all all we had till now was gone you know what i mean yeah. like and start rocking out freaking awesome the guitar pauses excellent um this would be such a fun song to play live dude yeah <laughs> so fun right yeah i mean yeah. they had to have a blast playing this one live yeah i love that whatever's going on in the right speaker that guitar weird thing that kind of thing i love it like i it's like the it's just the right weird thing this this album is like really well produced like it's like it's almost like too polished in some parts like but like um i just i like that little ear candy stuff that's going on in that and um and yeah it's a it's a good first track man it's hard not to uh like that song I I mean I'd be surprised if you can listen to that and just be like meh I don't know I like it it's a really good song um, <laughs> if you listen to it and you go meh you don't have a soul yeah I mean yeah, probably I mean it's a good and I do like the intro Kyle I like that it's like this weird like kind of chill piano thing and then it's like nope we're full on let's do this yeah. thing um it is great yeah and, and you're right being in the crowd that's a good uh, I didn't know the song when I saw them so um I didn't get a sing along with that part but good first track let's you go can to- imagine. I can imagine. Yes, I can imagine that it would work pretty well as far as far as crowd participation. You can throw the old mic out there and they'll they'll sing along just fine, no problem. Uh let's go to track two, so contagious. I'm hoping to Simmons, what are your thoughts on So Contagious? Well, you know, three mer- words come to mind, fellas, and it is mixed tape must. <laughs> oh, okay. Throwing it, it out on there early. Tape. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 also, uh, this song, at least at least at the time of uh, the art the article that I read, I think this song has like handily the most streams from them. Like millions of streams in comparison to a million streams on other songs from this record. I think Spotify, this is their most played song. We will confirm that. Uh, while you li- Chris, are, you, are you fact checking? I'm going to fact check you live, live. while Chris <laughs> talks about his thoughts on So Contagious. 
it it is absolutely a, a big take must. I mean that that is your saying, your trademark. Um, <laughs> so Kyle's lawyers, if you're listening, I apologize. I wasn't trying to take his fire. Don't sue me. <laughs> um, but yes, no, it is it is such a great song. Uh, the guitar tone, the, the guitar work on this record is just incredible, and the the tone on this album is uh, sorry on this song is very very great. Like how the two parts kind of um, play each, off of each other, um, and the little acoustic guitar pre-chorus is very cool. Um, and I also just like love the way the drums sound on the second verse background vocals. We, you guys already mentioned it, but they're just perfect. They're just like, they come in in these little spots and they just like add a little like flavor, a little seasoning. It, and you'd miss it live. Yeah. That wasn't yeah. There. Just a little so I'm thing. glad they could do uh, it. Also, it, it real, I, I, I would regret it if I didn't mention it's a pretty sexy bridge. Yeah, I didn't go to the bridge because um, I. Here's my point about this song. Don't kill me. First of all, you're right. It has 11 and a half million streams on Spotify compared to the next song, which is 4 million. And then it drops off to two on a couple songs, and most of them are in the hundreds of thousands. So it has more than 10 times the number of streams as most of the other songs on this record. That's interesting. Yep. Uh, You missed it. Here's the reason I picked that part. I don't think this should have been track two. Okay. I, I, I don't disagree with that. I don't like the guitar intro. It doesn't like hit me. Like that first track hits me. And then I feel like this takes it down a notch that should have been reserved for track three or four. I feel like the next song in too far should have been track two. I think we could have just swapped these two tracks and I would like the order of the album better. It kind of takes me out of the feeling that I had with take cover a little too fast and uh but it's a great song and i'm not like dogging the song i just wouldn't have put it as track two because it does feel kind of like a mixtape must or um you know it feels like track three or four or something for me Uh, dude i don't disagree with you at all and as a matter of fact i also don't like the placement of permanent on this record so maybe switch maybe switch (gasps) right yes yeah you could do that because permanent would be a better second track too i mean like yeah we know this but it sounds good yeah well and i see why i can see why they wanted to put it later they probably they're like yeah we're doing the song again to keep columbia happy or whatever or maybe they wanted to i don't know but um anyway that's my only note on it it's not like that it's i think the song's really good i like the background vocals i i like the guitars it just doesn't hit me on that intro where it's just like bing 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 you know just not quite what i want to hear on a track too that, that's the worst thing I can say about it, though. It, it's it's a really good song. Uh, well, so let's go to track three then. In too far, which is what I think should have been track two. Here we go. Rhyming lips with hips works for me. I mean, <laughs> that's a good. Yeah. I like those two lines back to back. Uh, Chris, thoughts on "In Too Far"? Dude, uh, I feel like they're calling up some uh, some other uh, native sons from Seattle here. Like, there's kind of a little bit of a Nirvana vibe with the guitar tones that I really like. And then, there's some yeah, grunginess in there for sure. Yeah, and you know, Aaron Sprinkle is. I I, I don't want to talk about Aaron Sprinkle too much, but he was like a hero of mine. Um, because if you grew up into Christian punk rock and that kind of stuff in the nineties, he did 
a lot of stuff with Tooth and Nail. Um, yeah, so he's done like Kobe, like, Isley, <laughs> Emery, May, MXPX, Newfound Glory, yes. Reliant K. I mean, I wrote down a long, and that was just like the ones where I was like, "Ooh, I like these albums." Uh, he did a ton of stuff in. Uh, you could, I'll, we'll link to his. Uh, if if yeah, his, uh, catalog as well. If rock and roll is baseball, man, he was the reliever. Like you know, they're just like calling him in from the like oh, totally. every time. <laughs> Brandon Ebel just hey, let's bring out Sprinkle for this one. He's like, guys, I'm already doing 16 records right now. Are you sure I can do another one? Um, but, but yeah, I think this, he did a good job in different genres. Like like you know, sort of genres, but like he did Copeland, poking at you and yeah. this record. That's crazy to me. And like Copeland, uh, you are my sunshine, which yeah, is like yeah. those really records do not have an overlap, really, to me. Which is, I think, a good producer when they don't pigeonhole; they do what fits the band, and this fits this band, and yeah. uh, and it's more polished than yeah, poking at you a little bit, but um, a little bit is also a little <laughs> later too. He's probably gotten a little better by two thousand five, but um, yeah, I'm with you. I dig the I dig the grungy vibes of this one, which is why I'd put it second. It's different guitar tones. Uh, it's got more of a, I know take cover had like minor verses, but this has more of a minor feel the whole time. That bass line just, just growling at you. I like it. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on in too far track three? Uh, I said the guitar solo, the bass tone, and then I really, really like the freaking, uh, the, the bridge, the, this is where we left off, like kind of changes up just a little bit there. And also, uh, one of you guys or both of you guys have already mentioned just kind of like how special this dude's voice is when he's doing woes and stuff uh he he he's doing a lot more with those woes than than uh than most you know what i mean like he's just he's like he's not quite i don't know how i would describe it he's not quite soulful uh but like he just has a really really nice voice and can freaking sing so um yeah my- I, i'm glad to hear his, him using his instrument you know my only complaint about his voice would be that it just isn't super distinct. Like yeah. I couldn't, it does kind of blend into the genre a little bit back then. It's great. He sounds great. He hits great notes, has good melodies, but you know, there's not like a quality to it where I'm like, Oh, that's him. Like he could see, yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, which I think can get you in trouble back then. Sure. Um, you know, when, I don't know. Sometimes that lead singer and that sort of like the vibe that you get from their voice and being able to recognize it is kind of a big deal. Well, I mean, like no one's listening to a song with Max Bemis or Tim Armstrong on it or Mike Herrera and like wondering for a single second who's singing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and he and, and this guy's a better singer than probably Absolutely. all of those guys. Yeah. But it's not. It's just different. It's like you're right. Uh, and I and I personally. I mean, I love a great singer too, but I, I, I sometimes care a little bit more about that distinct character yeah. to someone's voice than yeah, I care about them being perfect. It's like Tom Petty doesn't have a perfect voice, but like he's, it's one of the best voices ever in my opinion, just because it's like, it's Tom Petty and Don Henley's the same way. And there's a bunch of people like that. Um, and I feel like while his is very pretty, it's less distinct. It could blend into some of those other things that's my only criticism. That's not a bad criticism. It's not even a criticism really. It's just like a, I think that can lead to your, um, kind of, I don't know, blending in a little bit more instead of standing out. So, um, that's my only thing there. Uh, shall we go to track four, the letter? Do it. All right. Let's do it. it. Now that you've given me permission, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Kyle Simmons, what are your thoughts on track four of the letter? Man, I like the groove of this one. The 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 uh, the guitar rhythms uh, on the beginning of that clip yeah. that you just played right there. It, it's a jam, dude. Like it's it's it. They're still rocking, and 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 uh, it's just proving your point, Blake. You're right. Track two doesn't belong where where it sits because everything else around it is is uh, is is rocking us. Yeah, I think on a rock record, you need to rock us for three songs, generally. you got to earn that slow song. We've talked about this before, yeah. It sits up a little yep. higher, maybe a little lower, but it's got to be a bam, bam, bam. Yeah, yeah, and it can even, like, it can it can do a... I feel like you need to ramp up, generally, because that's a good thing to do. So, But, you know, one tracks one, two, and three need to have... You don't want to do the same trick over and over again, and there is some of this record that I think you could get in that trouble if you, you know, put three songs certain sure. songs together you'd be like oh they kind of run together a little bit more um but yeah this song is freaking fire i think i i yeah. love all the rhythm stuff too kyle i think it's great i love to go into that halftime on the on the back half of the choruses i just love that it just makes i can again picture a crowd you're gonna bounce up and down when yep. it gets to that part like it just feels good and i bet it was really fun to play this live again we got like different guitar rhythms changing and i, I just really like it chris what are your thoughts on uh on the letter Agree with you guys more. I, I, as this album goes on, you start to appreciate his voice more and more. Um, and I, I start to appreciate it a lot. His vocal style in this, I like. I really always enjoy vocalists who have the ability to sing in that kind of lower register. He doesn't do it all the time. He goes up, down, but it, it how it just feels really um, seamless, and, and it plays off the guitars really well. It works really well. Uh, bridge is also super cool in this song. Um, God, yeah, I tried dude. to I tried to grab the back half of the bridge because yeah. I do like it, but I wanted to get the chorus too, and I love that tremolo part too. Where it's just, okay, yes, dun, 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 yeah. I, yes, uh, the guitar work on this record is incredible. A like, tap tempo it, it, tremolo uh, is just fun, and it's not yes. hard to do. But I love like a perfectly. This is a digital recording thing too, for sure. Although I mean, you could tap tempo on a on a tremolo pedal, but um, I do like some of these kind of edits that we get with digital recording that you just couldn't do on tape. You could do the tremolo thing, but some of this other stuff you couldn't. And, uh, and I like some of it. I like using the tool to do something that you couldn't do before, instead of just trying to recreate what you did on tape before. Um, and this album I feel like has a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, it's a good song. I, I think it's really good. And it could have, I maybe would have done take cover in too far. And then the letter, and then maybe so contagious. Maybe that's what, I, if I had to rearrange the track order, maybe that's what I'd do. But um, Say it one more time. I think I would have done Take, take Cover. Take Cover first. We, we agree that. And okay. then In Too Far, which is track three right now, and then The okay. Letter. So really, we're still, for the most part, the same. And then I'd do So Contagious. Okay, okay. Between that's me The too. Letter and Different. Right, so I just so, move Contagious to Between Letter and Different, yeah. The you the know. other thing is, like, hindsight, it's not really, we we've all mentioned the freaking awesome guitar parts. Not really surprising that Christian goes on to play for Amberlin, right? Yeah. I mean, those dudes rip on the guitar as well. And so. here's no, the thing: I don't, I don't even feel like most of this band. stuff. I don't even feel like most of this stuff is super complicated. It's just right for the song, and it's yeah. cool. Like the rhythms he's choosing and stuff. It's tasty, but it's not flashy. I which saw is my a, favorite kind of guitarist. I saw Amberlin open for Pack Two Seven, Pax Two Seventeen. What? And like, yeah, I produced the show. It was a complete flop. Sorry, Stephen Christian. Um, so that was their first record, then, right? Black, yeah. So, uh, Black Prince, uh, Blue Prince for the Black Market. Yeah. So was that a bit before? Before Christian played for them. Okay. Yeah, so he, he came. He came to them after. Okay. Because they came were, to them yeah. after Cities. 
Okay, so, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he went on to have some success. Let's uh, huh. go to track five, which is different, which is the aforementioned first single that Columbia wanted to push. Here we go. Any chance Chris Monier, let's go to you first. What are your thoughts on different? Oh, that's not fair. I <laughs> Okay. I don't, we don't have, have enough to time to, No, no, I just don't have enough time to talk about what a perfect song this is. I, I feel like um I didn't even put that many notes because this song is so great. It it deserved a different life. Like it it it, it should have been a monster hit. I know Kyle, you already talked about why like some of the things went wrong, but it is a perfect pop song. Falsetto, falsetto, falsetto. Um, I could, yes, I could listen to it on repeat. It's so great. It's got all these different layers. Um, it's a perfect ballad. It's it's hard to it's hard to describe like moments about it. I, I I'm sorry. It, it, it's a I, great I just always thought ballad. That, yes, I just have always just thought this was one of the greatest songs of that. Um, that time period. I mean, y'all um, know and, and, I love a mid-tempo ballad, and yeah. I think oh, yeah. this is one of the better ones from that decade. But yeah, well, when but, I was listening to it, I texted you guys. I said this song yeah. and um, that song by Seoshin, um You're not, you're not alone. alone. I was like, those songs should have been monster hits. Yeah, you're right. But not the first hit. I think. I think. Right. That's well, a yeah, fair, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's where I, I go. Like, yeah, you can't like put this out as the first single and then expect people to. I don't know it's weird. I, it's just one of those things. Everyone knows the ballad is like the third single. That's just like what you do. I mean, that's what. so. That, yes. I thought that wasn't even conventional knowledge. That's you, like, you know, everybody knew that. I mean, Aerosmith does that for goodness sake. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I get why they, di- they did not want this to be the first single, especially when they're like, you know, trying to do the like, hey, well, why don't we release the thing on Militia Group and we're touring with all these rock bands and like that's there. They are a rock band for the most part. Yes, they can write a great mid-tempo ballad. And there's a couple of mid-tempo songs on this that I think are are wonderful. And um, it, yeah, it definitely it's it's tragic that it it's not uh, more people don't know about this song. And by the way, it's also the Sacred Heart song from the record. Oh, I mean, it's got to yeah, be right. Dude. God dang it. <laughs> Yes. I put that down and like I always get it wrong and it's uh, I'm never gonna learn this one, guys. You're gonna get it one time, Chris. No, you're now gonna... now I didn't. I, this time I didn't have faith in myself. It's like, no, you're wrong. No, like, you're, eh, not wrong. Not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's don't really like get I can, the vibe of Sacred Heart. No, it's absolutely the vibe if of ever the, in there the Scrubs. Was one. Yeah, Damn there's. It. Yeah, it's definitely the right one. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on different? Okay, so uh, here's the thing: the label wasn't wrong. This song was a gigantic hit or should have been a gigantic hit. But like, to your point, Blake, there is an order in which things have to happen in order for things to be great. Exactly. Uh, the the world's best freaking water slide is not that great if you don't turn the effing water on first, right? Like, you have to do things in the right order. <laughs> what a metaphor. <laughs> and like, it, it's like, 
It's like they didn't, they did like this song was primed and ready to go, but like they needed something to come before it, you know, it's for people to recognize its greatness or experience its greatness. And it's what's even more like I'm, I'm actually getting upset right now because I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it in iTunes or Apple music. They don't even have the lyrics posted to this song. That is infuriating to me. Like this is a this is a wonderful song. Um, if you don't know it, you should know it. And also, dare I say, two songs on the same album are mixtape musts. Oh. oh, I think that's totally fair. I've got albums like yeah. that for sure. Um, and I, I was going to say also, uh, Jason Vina uh, mentioned for anybody that was wondering. Uh, I, I kind of liked this explanation. Not not like it was super hard to figure out, but this is a introspective, like he's thinking about the kind of person that he wants to be, the way that he wants to love his significant other, and um, and like the, it, it's 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 all uh, it's all the way that he views himself in the relationship. That's what the that's the perspective we're getting in this song. So so here's my question. If this is not the right first single, what should have been? Take cover. Take cover. I agree. <laughs> totally agree. It take cover is the a great first single. It, I'm no Matt Penfield, but I can do an R for this one. First single, take cover. <laughs> yeah. You blew it, Columbia. Yeah. I mean, it just makes sense. You could even go with like permanent since it was kind of on the other one yeah, and be like, yeah, oh, it's a little familiar. Fun. Some people are gonna be like, oh yeah, here's the new version of permanent. I just think like, yeah, it's not I would go take cover for sure. I just feel like it's a good not only um it's a good intro to the band. It's a good first single. It's not like, yeah, different is a better song for sure. Yeah, but yeah. you don't do it first. Do a second. Fine. I mean, I'd wait till third generally, but gosh, second. Just, uh, I don't know. As late as 2003, I felt like uh, even bands that we liked that we knew about, like Yellow Card, Ocean Avenue, like your first single was not your strongest song. Like that's you, no. always what you did. You introduced the band. I think Take Cover is a very strong song. I'm not saying it's not, but like you always kind of like, you know, same thing with Jimmy World. It was... um. Dude, it's the expression. Bleed American first, then praise burn, chorus. Burn then... a single. You got to burn a single. Burn a single. You're, Kyle said it right. Yes, Bleed American is not a song that, like, if if I was going to try to convince somebody to like Jimmy World in one song, I wouldn't be like, oh, I've got the song for you. Like, it's this one, you know? That's that's not how you do the single. You, Like Kyle said, you burn it. Um, not to mention there are some, like, really important logistical things that you're doing too. You, if you are a rock band and you're trying to promote a rock band, you want the first single to be a rock single and get the rock fans first. And then those people start telling people, and then you release the ballad mid tempo thing, whatever, like yellow cards, a good example. Uh, only one is the third single on that, right? Yeah. So it's like, that's when you release that. And, and, and that's the right ramp up. You've got, Oh yeah. It's like, um, you know, and Ocean Avenue is, that was a big single. And so was, I mean, those were both big singles for them. But you can't do only one first. It's not the right introduction to that band. And 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 that's what they've always done with rock radio. You release Bleed American. That's a great example. Bleed American, they released to rock radio. It's a rock song. And then they do the middle. Did they do Praise Chorus next or Middle next? I think it was... I don't remember. But I think it's, I think it's Bleed American, Middle, uh, then Sweetness. Praise Chorus was one too. Yeah. I think anyway, I can't remember any of it. But either way, the point is you do the rock radio one. And you're right. Like Bleed American's not the right song if you were like sweetness is what you'd probably play for your friend. 
But that's because you already got hooked because of Bleed American. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, because you're the rock fan and I don't know. It just, and like I said, I've never ran a label, but like, I know that that has worked a lot for a lot of different bands. Well, dude, the, the success that they were trying, the, the, the lightning that they were trying to recapture in a jar was was Hoobastank. Like it's mentioned in the article. <laughs> Hoobastank didn't release the reason first. And like Oh, that's interesting. Know? Even the single that they were trying to Right. Oh my God. You, you know what's funny it, is Right, but I they're remember... trying to get there quicker. It's uh, anyway. Yeah, they were trying ahead, to cheat yeah, I was gonna say they're doing a cheat code. You know, it's funny, I remember if any of you LAO guys are listening, I remember one of you telling me a story about your dad. Do you remember this Blake? Maybe. I just their forgot dad, about LAO I just remember existing for a second. They were trying to make it Kyle and one of their dads was like heard Hoba Sega where he's like, This is what you need to be doing, guys. <laughs> and, and I remember him telling this story like with his you know, his hands on the bridge of his nose, just like, Dad, oh. we're not gonna write a song like that. But even Columbia <laughs> was like LAO's dad, like, guys. This is how, trust us, we know how to do this. Like, we're going to go the Hooba Steak route. Thank you very much. It's going to work. You could not escape that song that year. You could not escape it. Uh, Okay, well, let's go to track six, which is uh, Ad Astra per Aspera. Is that how you pronounce that? I don't know. Let's look up what that means because I don't, I forgot to do that. Translation is to the stars through difficulties. That like it is uh yeah interesting. I mean I knew the Ad Astra Parks the the movie, but um weird instrumental song. Does anyone even have an opinion on the weird instrumental song in the middle of this record, Kyle? Dude, I I love it. You like, like it? I actually, yeah, I <laughs> okay. do, man. I don't. Like it, it it takes me somewhere. I Dude. I feel like it needs lyrics and a melody. Like it feels like a not instrumental song. It feels like it a jam sesh. Well, it does feel, it sounds like the thing they did for soundcheck and then, um, cause it would work really well for soundcheck. Actually, this is exactly what I'd want as a sound guy. Like, okay, you're all playing yeah. full out, but there's some quiet parts. I can hear the drums. The drums are hitting all the toms. That's what it sounds like they were doing. And then they're like, oh, let's put it on the album. Let's cut it. Uh, and maybe Man, they, I'm know. into it. I'm fine. I don't know. I just, it's whatever. I'm a, I'm a melody guy. So yeah. Um, I like instrumental music for when I'm reading and it's in the background and it's Hans Zimmer. But uh, my note for this specifically, one, my note for this one was uh, I love the lyrics. Thoughtful, <laughs> not too on the nose. No, nope. Chris, what are your thoughts? Do you what, are you going to break the tie here or um, or not uh, tie? I guess, but whatever. Are you? Just, he's just whatever. Are you him? just whatever in the middle? <laughs> uh, did Kyle? Did you say it took me to another place? Yeah. Yeah, it took me to Guitar Center because I felt like I was watching one of those Steve Vai guitar documentaries. Like while I was like like waiting in line to get my drumsticks, and I've been waiting an hour for somebody to show up. Uh, that's all I can think about. And then I put rain stick question mark. Yes, rain stick. I heard a rain stick. Mm, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I could deal without it. I mean, I don't. It's fine, but I. It's a nice break. It's a nice break. Yeah, but it almost feels like too much. Like we're gonna put this right in the middle of the album. I don't know. At, 
I don't Columbia mind it. Columbia was int- probably like, hey, we need 12 tracks. And they were like, oh, we'll give you uh, one more. We got it. Here you go. Here's, yeah, here's you're not how- getting paid for those extra two anyway. So you might. <laughs> get, right. uh, here's how I feel about it, guys. We had to wait 12 years for another acceptance record. Yeah. So I'll take it. You'll yep. take it. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I want I, all the tracks in 2005 I could take. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to hold me over for a decade. <laughs> I realize no one cares about my silly opinions about stuff uh, and my like my little hang-ups. But one of my hang-ups is like, if you're going to do an instrumental thing, I feel like it should bridge two songs better. Oh, and I no, feel like I this doesn't that. really bridge the two songs around it. If this did like the outro of this of, of the track before went into this and then it like perfectly outro to the next thing, but that's not what happens. And so it just feels like this weird thing that happens in the middle of the record. And if it transitioned smoothly between the songs that bookend it, I would yeah. be more on board. I get that. Is that fair? Uh, uh, yeah, that is fair. Okay. Well, let's go to this conversation is over. What are your thoughts on this conversation is over? That freaking sliding bass part, the tone, the kick drum sounds awesome on this song. Um, I I love this song. Yeah, I I, I probably mentioned that. Everything sounds really good on this record. Yep. It sounds really good. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? Yep, feel the same way. I love a good minor verse, major chorus. Um, and I like the way they change stuff up on the second verse it, it, after that little instrumental break. And then when this song comes back in, you're like, man, is there, there's not a, there's not a lot of bad things happening on circuit. It's all really well done. It's all perfect. I like uh, that they do the opposite on this one. They do the like halftime for the first half of the course yeah. and then they go to the double on the, I don't With know. It's just like drums. Yeah. 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 yeah I like oh. the, the drum stuff is cool on this record. And the vocal bridge, the vocal thing at the beginning of the bridge before it starts rocking again is also awesome. You know what I feel like? This song feels like a good, it could be a good last track. I also like the last track on this record, but like this feels like it could be a last track song. This is like any other um, lesser band. Any bands, other band? <laughs> like, like great last song. And they're like, and this, yeah, I'm not saying I would change the order. I'm just saying it feel it has that feeling to it. Kind of like, oh, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, it's a good song. I like it. Yeah. I don't have uh, really anything specific other than that. I like it, and it feels kind of like a last track for me. Um, shall we go to Over You? Do it. All right, here we go. Coming from an enemy, the scene was meant to be. I see it coming after all the worst of me. We follow this now or never. Chris, what are your thoughts on Over You? Uh, another great song. Um, I, I'm i not a guitar player. I say that a lot. I'm still not. But it, the, the, they kind of work in that 80s synth sound, but I think it's a guitar effect. I that... think you're correct. Okay, cool. But it, it I, I was like, that's interesting, because they're almost using that effect that became really popular a few years ago, like with 
Stranger Things and that kind of 80s yeah. uh, sound. And I, I was like, well, these guys, they, they were doing that way before it was cool. So They do it great. somewhere else on the record, too. Uh, Good song. I think it was in the letter that they do like a weird, like, I think it's like a hybrid thing where it's like a keyboard and a synth and a guitar playing the same thing. And they basically <laughs> blend them together where it sounds like a weird instrument that you can't quite pinpoint what it is. Um, which is also one of my favorite thing, like production things to do is like smash two instruments together to where you can't quite tell (laughs) what it is and you kind of make a new instrument. You can't really pull that off live very well sometimes, but, um, you know, for little parts in the background, that's fine. Um, and I, I think they're definitely doing some of that on this record, uh, or, or, or sprinkle is at least, um, Kyle, what are your thoughts on, uh, on this tune over you? Uh, well, I think it's the most, one of the most, uh, punk songs on the album um you know you could argue that maybe permanent is but also permanent is a do-over so it kind of doesn't really count you know uh and um i i really i also wrote i i love the tone but i love that guitar part that that part at the end that he's playing over and over again freaking cool uh i i love this song and and it's it's another great tune so we'd call it a solid tune across solid the board. All right. We all agree. Solid. Well, solid. Okay, let's go to track nine, Breathless. What are your thoughts on Breathless? Uh, I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record. I, I really like this song. <laughs> I, I mean, surprise. Uh, I really like uh, the falsetto parts that he does on this song. Uh, he, he's a really good singer. Blake, you mentioned that he doesn't have a lot of uh, character to his voice, and he and he's pretty, you know, but his voice is pretty flawless, and I do agree. And I remember tr- there were a few people that, like, uh, in particular, there was a brother-in-law of mine that really liked rock music back then, and I gave him this album. And it took him a really long time to get into it because he felt like that they weren't rock. And what's weird to me about it is, like, if you listen to these parts, they're absolutely, like, this is a rock band, you know? Yeah. No, especially and, the guitar I, parts on this song ab- specifically ab- are absolutely. very rock bandy. Yeah, and, and I think that, I do think I'm thinking of it in real time right now on this podcast, I think maybe his voice is the culprit for that mm-hmm. you know it's just so nice and, and perfect but it's not ed- it's definitely not edgy you know and and i think the lack of that is is maybe what puts them in this weird because i mean every every article that i did find about this record is calling it something different someone called it pop punk uh the band themselves admit that they're if anything they're probably closer to pop rock but like i don't know that that's true either i think it's just a, i think it's just a rock record um, but I wonder if it's his voice that makes people feel like it's softer than it actually is. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely hear that the influencers are there from, um, you know, the genre that we talk about on this podcast all the time, as far as like, it's, it's just like hard to pinpoint. I think it's hard to pinpoint most bands where they're at. I mean, unless you're like, 
yellow card and it's, and it's as easy as saying we're punk rock with a violin. Uh, yeah. It's really hard to like nail down like what is this band? I, I agree. I, I feel like they're very rocky, but they've got really good melodies, which puts them a little. So it's more like rock pop. I know yeah, that sounds like a weird distinction no. because like it, it's more rock than it is pop, but it definitely has great melodies and, and good, um, you know, different is obviously like a great, like kind of ballady. And it doesn't just sound like a rock ballad either. It feels like a, a really pretty song and stuff. Yeah. And, you, and it may be his voice that is the, is the difference maker there. Um, as far All, as also I'd kill heart- someone for his voice. Oh yeah. No, like I, his voice is great. I am not, dogging on his voice at all i'm and 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 character is not the right word if i said it doesn't have character that might not be right it just doesn't have a distinct thing that totally sets it apart where i just i hear yeah. it and i know it's him yeah it's yeah, just no. really good you know which is like you hate you hate him we get it. yeah <laughs> yeah you You're hate right. him <laughs> thank you for clearing that up this man uh, no, no, no. And so I can see though why, like as as well produced as this is, and as and as pretty as the vocals are, and then if you saw them physically, and uh, you were like a rock fan, you that might be the thing that you just go, no, like you might not give them a chance, which is stupid. Yeah. I mean, in my yeah. opinion, to like to like, I realize we do judge bands based on what they look like, but it's it's very stupid to be like, well, I'm not gonna like them because they're pretty, <laughs> like. I feel like that's a really weird thing to do. I would get why you would maybe judge them based on the clothes they wore. That might sure. be a more, um, like I've done that a million times. <laughs> like yep. you see the band loading in, there's seven guys, they all have all black and eyeliner. I'm like, this is going to be fun. One of those guys is going to be just screaming the whole time. Um, and <laughs> that was like our whole touring career was like every band that we played with was screaming all night. And then we were like, we'd like to sing these songs for you. Um, but anyway, that's a, a they pretty... always, they were always talking to the sound guy, you know, at great length about the intro track that they needed him to play before <laughs> oh they started. Oh my gosh. And like, ugh, it was so bad. There were so many bad bands around here. That's the other thing that I think people don't understand is like, <laughs> what makes me even more upset about this band, not like, I know being really successful is that they're very good. And there were so many terrible bands back then, some of which had, a decent amount of success. You know what's going to be really fun and we've not done? We have not done a record on this show yet that is just us crapping all over. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're going to do like Hawthorne Heights or something and just crap on it for hey. an hour and a half. <laughs> hey, I, I do I do want to tell you guys that my brother-in-law did come around to the record. He really loved it. And he went and saw them with me the last time that they were here. And I think that was with Yellow Card. And... Um, and We've mentioned how great they are, how handsome they are, but also they had really nice equipment and they were one of oh, the yeah. best sounding opening bands. They sounded huge, like just gigantic. And you had no doubt that that they were a rock band when yeah. you saw them live. Acceptance open, opening for you is the reason that like opening bands get. Uh, don't get the level of the sound system at what the main band because you don't want right. to be the band that gets upstaged by the opening band and yep. like and Yellow Card's great live so I don't think it yeah. probably happened to Yellow Card but I bet it happened to some other bands that they toured oh, sure. with um, and you don't want that to happen so you're like you just gotta pull back pull back the mains pull 10 dB <laughs> we don't give them quite as much subs gotta do a couple tricks which I think is dirty I would never ever do that I'm like nope give them all the sound. These people paid to be here and, and I'm going to have to, if I'm, if I was in that position as the headlining, good good or bad, let them have it. Right. I'm going to be like, Hey, that just means I got to step it up. 
You know what yep. I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I, I would How take about the lights? challenge. Uh, no lights, I'm fine with. No lights. You're, okay, you're not, okay with, no, the, no, no, with the limited no. light yeah, show. Limited lights. Absolutely yeah. not. Hey, first of all, they didn't pay for them. Uh, okay. okay. Second of all, no, we no. We agree. We agree. And even, even in your light show, as a headlining band, you cannot come out with all the lights going. You gotta no. You bring it. You right. gotta ramp you tell that a story, up. right? It's got rising action. Yeah, yeah, you don't come out guns blazing. Another artist that we mentioned more on this podcast than you would think, based on the genre we're talking about, Elton John. You remember the Billy Joel Elton John uh, concert that we saw, Chris? And it was like two spotlights while they were on just the pianos in front of each other for like right. several songs, and then. Elton starts playing some songs and it still lights and then it's uh, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me and it was all of them like a sunset. It was wonderful. And, you know, it's like it adds to the feeling. But yeah, no, you don't give the opening band all the lights. No, but give them all the sound. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for that. But that's probably because I'm a sound guy. So uh, let's go to In the Cold, track 10. What are your thoughts on track 10 in the cold? It's an all right song. Uh, it's it's good. No, no, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I like this song so much. No, Me I like too. it too. I, I was going to say like it, it. No, you hate it. <laughs> you hate it. No, I don't hate it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't hate it. It, it. This song does something really weird to me. Uh, like it makes me feel like it's 2005 again. Like it takes me right back. And so every time I hear it, like I feel like I'm in my van, like, I don't know, man. It it, this, it does this, feel the most 2005. Yes, and and so whenever I listen to it, I I kind of drift off because I start. I just feel like I'm in, you know, our gray Ford van, like driving to a show. Uh, like it, it's it captures the air perfectly. Um, yeah, they they almost have too many good songs on this record. That by the time you get to this one, you're, um, it it, it yeah, it's another great song. Uh, well, obviously, it sounds like my feelings aren't as strong as yours, Blake. Please. That's okay. I do. I really do like this song. I do understand where you're coming from, though, because I do feel like there are a few tracks on this record that, while they're good, when we play them back to back on the record, they they're similar enough that I That's can see what why yeah, yeah, yeah. this is at track ten, and we might be like a little bit like okay. I I just really like all the guitars. There's a lot of guitars going on on in this song, yeah. and I like them, and I like the phrasing of the of the melody on the choruses i just like that it's kind of frantic and then it, it slows down for in the cold i don't know i just mm. i like the phrasing uh it just something about it grabs me uh kyle what are your thoughts on in the cold uh my note is guitar part lasagna <laughs> oh that's a great <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so good at coming up with these things that describe there. things perfectly because that is exactly I, I what it is Oh man, there are layers to this one. And and also, I I'm not good at like calling out timing, you know, like like what signature we're in or whatever, but the feel that it goes into after that quick little uh that quick little fill, drum fill, it's almost like they use the chorus as a bridge, you know what I mean, at the end. They do a quick little drum fill and then they sing the chorus again and the feel of it is a little different. I don't think it's quite halftime, but it just 
it, it feels different. And I really love that. Um, love, love the song. It's awesome. Kyle's not a drummer guys. Yeah. I'm not. We've, we've literally one time, <laughs> Kyle, my favorite thing from you was, uh, when we did angels in the studio and you like sat down and you're like playing it for us. And, and me and Chris, Chris Friels, the producer, as we're like going, all right, we're like writing stuff down. We're like, okay, that's five, four. All right. That's four, four. All right, that's back to five four. Okay, that's seven four. <laughs> and Kyle's like, "Oh, I don't know. I just I wrote this. I have no idea." And we're like, we had to like chart out all all the time re- signature changes. It was an awesome I re- song. I remember doing that, and you and like both of you guys were like, "How are you doing that?" And I was like, "Well, I just feel it." And, and then when you explained to me that I was doing something difficult, I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I know you almost don't want to know. Like you, you know, you you did seven time signatures. You'd be like, "Oh, I can never play that song again." <laughs> hey, Kyle, why is that song not on uh, streaming stuff anymore? So I try. I wanted to donate that song to a cause, right? But, you did, but and it didn't. Like the people never took it, so I just need to put it out. You need to put it out because that—that's uh, one of my favorite things you've done. Hey, thanks, man. It gives yeah, me chills every to. time. Thanks. I love it. It makes me appreciate it. Sad and happy at the same time. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think you're biased. You know the person it was about. True, but I also really like the song. So cool. uh, anyway, that's me uh, saying I—I yeah. I was looking for it the other day because I was going to link to it when we were talking uh-huh. about your band, and you only have one Rockwell Social song on the whole of the internet. Um, I told you that you didn't believe me. I, I didn't you believe you, and because I was like, I know this used to be on Apple Music. Why would it not still be there? So I, I'm going to re-release it. Get it all back out there. Come on, yeah. Kyle. The people, being me, and maybe a few other have, people, have demanded demand it. that we hear your music. Okay, let's yeah. go. Wait, wait. I will oh, say wait, for yeah. for those listening, there are two songs out now. Oh, oh that's, that's correct. That there are true. two now because everyone needs to go listen to Hope's Low. Ah. Uh, Thanks, yeah. Chris. Shameless plug. I will link. I will send link your to that. pennies Kyle's way. He needs. He, he <laughs> he'll he'll use all those fractions of pennies to for a good cause. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, ho- and Hope Slow's not as not. It's not Angels, but it's it's good. Yeah, it's know? a good tune. It's a catchy it's, song. It's Angels. We all listened to it while he's working on it. We all. That's uh, true. We all thought. We all told him it was. You had sneak peeks. Fantastic. It's very good. All right, let's go to track eleven. Permanent. Here we go. Kyle, let's go to you first on permanent. What are your thoughts on it? What are your thoughts on the redo? So I I really like I really, really like this song. It sounds great, but I also feel like the whole record is so good. I, I don't think they needed to do this, and I'm not quite like in my mind after reading that article, I guess like I kind of feel like it's more obvious to me now than ever that they were trying to link it to a scene because Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense why they put it out there. Like, it, it's a great song, but but I'd already heard it. You know, like right. I I don't know. So, I I love the song. It's just I feel like it's kind of a weird move because it wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't like um it was just something that like a few people heard. I feel like quite a few people were in on the buzz of that EP. Yeah, probably not so many less than one hundred and forty thousand. You know what I mean? 
And so I, I don't know. Um, I love the song and I'm in the new version sounds great. It's just kind of weird that it, they re-released it. So I don't have that bad taste in my mouth though, because I didn't like, it was the, Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you weren't super familiar with it. Yeah. And so, okay. um, it didn't feel like a redo to me. It's, I mean, I knew it ended up, I knew it was on that EP once I got into the band and stuff, but I don't ever really mind someone taking something from an EP and then releasing it on the full length record, but it does seem weird that they would do that and not have it be like a single. Like it feels like yeah. if you're going to take, if you're like, Oh, this song is good enough that we need Tuck to take it, it away from at this the EP yeah. and put it on this album, make it a single then. And and yeah. then even if you just release it and don't push it really hard, literally yeah. just like release it to rock radio at the time. Do well, a, you mentioned that could have been the single, right? It could have been, I think. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, you could do take, co- I think take covers better probably, but yeah. permanent could have been a first single too. It would have been a fine rock uh, first single and like you don't have to push it that hard you can save all your your big uh music video budgets and pushing to radio budgets for uh different but like get it out there it, like i said the jimmy world example is a great example like the bleed american video is like a tour video chopped together right it's not even um it's not like a real shot music video it's like just tour footage and stuff like that and and it was like released to radio and it wasn't a huge push. They put, did the push for the middle because they knew what the heck they were doing. Um, and and this feels like this could have been the first single. If you're going to grab it from the old EP, release it. Like, you know, as the first single or whatever you want to call I mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like they really dropped the ball on all this. And obviously I'm just upset that they didn't what sell a million copies of this record. We cannot emphasize enough, Columbia, how much you screwed this up. In, you you I the hope bed. that you lay awake at night thinking about how you screwed this band over. And also, no. Columbia, I love so many things they've put out. That's what makes me even more bummed out is that it's not like it was freaking... Pete Yorn is a national treasure. Absolutely. I mean, Columbia Records did really, really well all the time. It's so out of character for them. Yeah, uh, like Pete Yorn, uh, Aerosmith, uh, Billy Joel. I mean, like... So That's what pisses good- me off the most is that I can see... I remember when Columbia called us, and I was the most excited I ever got was of any label calling us. Um, and I feel like if I was acceptance, I'd be like, well, let's go with the sure thing, guys. Don't you all agree? We all agree, right? The sure thing <laughs> is Columbia. That's the way we go. Like, no, I would have done the gonna- same thing. If, <laughs> yeah, right? if I would've, Anyone would have. Columbia- I mean, Columbia was the label I wanted to be on back then, for sure. I mean, it, as far as majors went, like that was the one that I had the most artists that I liked. Uh, they seemed to do, I liked the classic album covers. I felt like they let people be themselves for the most part. They didn't try to like change. Anyway, you know, we had... Uh, what are you gonna do? Um, and also, you, you know, they did you a wait decent, ten years and make they a did record. a decent job with their films back then too. Um, anyway, whatever. What are you gonna do? Uh, let's wait. Wait, thought? you didn't oh, call yeah, on me. Permanent. I didn't call on you. I'm sorry. Permanent, Chris. Yeah, we got on a sidetrack. Keep going. We did. What is- no, well, I, I feel the same exact way. Um, it's kind of weird that they put on it because I loved this song on the EP, but. I just have to say the the precision the precision drum fills in the song yes. they're like surgically <laughs> implanted. It's perfect. Uh, that um, that one that's like a little ghost note thing, but like yeah. it's like it's great. How did they do that? Yeah, um, I and, I forgot to mention that I had that in my notes, and that is so true, Chris. You nailed it on that one. And by the way, I think a record we did before does does this right. I think if you're gonna put a song you've already done that you kind of tuck it away as a hidden track i think that's a fair move that's what um the ataris did on so long a story with i won't spend another night alone yeah yeah that's a great example or or you even change it completely oh like a like a reinterpretation of the song like a reimagination 
like MXPX did with uh, Gray Skies Turn Blue, right? Ooh, yep. It's a good. So. Yep. Good idea. Okay, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because I forgot to mention. Yeah, the drums are, really, they're good on this whole record. I like the way he changes stuff up. Um, I like his little fills that he does to keep things interesting. They're not too crazy, but this one is definitely like kind of let him off the chain. I feel like a little bit. And that, yeah, right, right. Well, he's, <laughs> he's, like, redo- he's redoing the song. It's like, hey, this time I'm just gonna go for it. You yeah, let's ready? just really. Well, it <laughs> might be. It's probably all the <laughs> crap he was doing on tour and stuff. You know what I mean? You know, oh, you change yeah, that you stuff kinda, up. Yeah. 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 Uh, hey, if you got those in ears, man, you can you can get those fills in there a dude, lot. You can get some cleaner. stuff done. Okay, yeah. let's go to the final track, Glory Slash Us. Here we go. Let's go to you for the final track, Glorious. What are your thoughts? So I really, really love this song. Um, the, it, it, it just kind of takes me to a place. The guitar tone on this, the, I, I don't know if this is going to sound really weird to you guys or not, but um, I feel like other than his vocal, we're like, it, there's like some like prog rock metal, like, uh, tides from nebula or explosions in the sky kind of like grand thing happening. Um, and, and I love it. And, and I love his vocal too. It's just, um, it's, uh, the word that I wrote is it's, it's swooping. (laughs) Oh, nice. And, and I just freaking love it. Um, and, and, and again, I'm, uh, we've already talked about how much of a drummer I am not, but like the feel, the vibe, I'm not sure what the time signature is, but it's just it's six, just, eight. I, I, okay. I, <clears throat> six, eight. I, I should have, I should have taken a shot. Cause I thought it, I actually thought it was six, eight. Um, it, it just, it just has a nice feel to it. I, I really, really like this song. So Chris, what are your thoughts? Final track. Kyle, my six, eight trick is I always remember GSF by MXPX. Oh. And then I just listened. I was like, does it kind of sound like that? Yeah, da, 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 da. yeah, that's how I remember. Okay. <laughs> that's a good trick. <laughs> um, Girl Schmirl's Foundation, if you guys didn't know what GSS stands for. <laughs> um, you know what? I love it when you end with a ballad, but it can be overdone and overdone in a way that's just so like, oh, we're going to do this exactly the same way that lots of bands in it. And this ballad is not too ballady. It's it's no, got it, yeah, it's, it's got like an uplifting feel to it um and we crap on a lot of ending tracks i have to say we i've do. got i've got no crap to crap upon this as an no, uh, as a closing it, track I i'm a huge fan of this choice and um i think it's a beautiful song to end the record with yeah i think it's a great i think it's a good ending track it's uh you know it's not like i'm saying it's like the best ending track ever but it's a it's it's a perfect fit for the end of this re- <coughs> oh sorry the end of this record <laughs> i don't know what just happened to me i was like <laughs> I had to edit out a burp of the last episode, and then I'm like coughing and can't talk on this one. So we're 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 very old men, and it's late at night, so a lot uh, of weird noises coming that's out. True, yeah, it's just getting. We had to delay the recording of this podcast because there was a downpour outside, and I'm on you know we got a metal roof, so. But your dad, so 
So were you looking at it with your hands on your hip going, well, we need it. We need the rain. <laughs> we needed it. <laughs> we needed it. <laughs> no, because this week we've gotten like eight inches of rain. So, uh, yeah, I like it. It's good. It's a good final track, and um, and it, I think it's a good take cover, good first track. This is a good ending track. Good bookends for, for the whole mm. thing. I feel like it makes a complete record, and um, that will take us to the next part, which is lasting impressions most of which uh, we can't really even ask on this one unfortunately um but let's go to does it hold up chris most stuff um great record well very well produced once again very well produced off to the sprinkler man aaron sprinkler aaron sprinkle <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how well, that's not a nickname i think he would be fond of no, uh, not. <laughs> sprinkler it's not Sprinkler! Hey, if you call me that again, I'm not doing the rest of your record. I'm literally going to leave the studio. Uh, uh, yes, it does. Absolutely. It still sounds really, really great after all these years. Um, it's uh, uh, It was produced in a way that... Uh, I'm not saying it's a timeless record, like as in it's like one of the greats or anything, but it it, it, it does sound like something could, could have been recorded last year. It, it still sounds good, and all the songs hold up, I think. Yeah, um, Kyle. And it's getting it's getting rediscovered and reimagined by a lot of artists. I, Kyle, didn't you share like um, a data uh, remember yes, discovered it? That was crazy. Eleven million plays on track yes. two of the record is impressive considering this band. This album came out um whatever what twelve years before streaming yeah. became really popular. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just to put that in perspective, I guess I guess streaming was popular before then, but you know what I mean. Like that's 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 an impressive amount. That's uh, mm-hmm. I just missed that earlier when I was apparently listening to this record. Uh, Kyle, what are your, your thoughts on on does it hold up? I absolutely think it holds up, and I agree with Chris. Like, I I really think not only is this a this album like a testament to like how great this band was in this moment of time, but I really think it speaks to how on top of his game Aaron Sprinkle was. Like, he really, really had mastered his craft it still sounds great and and like we're not talking about like oh yeah it's a good sounding record no we're all picking out like these the freaking drums still sound great the snare the bass tone all of these things still sound great and this is a this is a almost a 12 year old record yep or wait no it's it's it's, it's 17 years old yeah 17 years old i was gonna say yikes yeah uh so it took twelve years for them to put out another record. Sorry. Yeah, I think thir- yeah, twelve or thirteen or something like that. And so that I mean, I think it does hold up. I think that there oh. are definitely some things that make it feel like two thousand five, but that's not a bad thing necessarily. Yeah, you're right, Chris. It's not what I'd call like last week when we did or last episode when we did okay go. That feels more like um you could play that record right now and wouldn't know that it was Totally. Recorded in the early 2000s, if that makes sense. So it's a little bit more like, oh, I can't quite tell. I can tell where this is from, but it's still a great record. And and I, to me, it, it holds up. I will tell you that um, that I, I used your test, Blake, and played this one with uh, my oldest. He's 12, Maverick. And and he is rocking it like on his own, telling Alexa to play Phantoms. Like he, nice. Oh, okay. It. See, that's a. So, I think that's a great litmus test for if something yeah. holds up. If if a kid that was not alive when it came out digs it, you know. Yeah. And for and me, does. when I was a kid, that was Aerosmith and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and you know the stuff that had yep. made it out of the sixties and seventies. And uh, yeah, so uh, that that's always encouraging when one of the kids likes it. I, who mix? Do we know who mixed this record? I don't. 
That's the one thing I didn't see. Uh, I, but... Well, the, the Lord Alge's mix different, uh, not uh, d- that, that well, weird they, version they of they different. And... Version. I, I'd be willing to bet it was uh, Ted Jensen. No, oh, Chris. Uh, well, sorry, oh, that's no. mastering. I'm sorry. Chris did. Uh, Chris Lord Alge did uh, mix mixing on permanent. Uh, right, and the only version thing he mixed that made it on the record was permanent. And Jack Joseph. Pugue, I can't remember how I pronounce his name, who's another huge mixer, did different. Um, and then J.R. McNeely did the rest of, who I don't know. Uh-huh. He doesn't even have a, a list. But, I mean, he did a good job. Yeah. It, it's mixed really well, produced really well. I think that, um, um, yeah, uh, it sounds really great. Um, the next two questions that we normally ask are a little weirder for this one. So, is it their best album? We didn't even get another album for 13 years. So, but it is after a break. But yeah, this is it. I mean this, and so it might as well kind of be their only album. I, I know that sounds, I have listened to their newer one, but yeah, it's just, it's not as good as the, as, as well for the purpose of our podcast for the timing. Yeah. It seems like, yeah, it's kind of like, just this one. yeah, I'd call it. And so same thing with the most important one. And unfortunately it's not as important as it should have been. That's really where we land on this yeah. one for me. It's like it, I, I wish they would have had some more success because you know, like what happens if this album does well enough that Columbia's like, yeah, we can't wait to hear what the next record's like. I mean, like what? I don't know. I feel like this was a good band and we could have gotten some really good stuff out of them. Um, well, but, those demos exist. Well, but like, I think those demos are even potentially tainted by what they said about like, sure. once they start second guessing themselves, they, yeah, they, I, right. you know what I mean? And, and, uh, we've certainly been there. I think all of us have been there where you're uh, like that pressure of, of writing something that like, I don't know. That's, that's to me is the scariest part is like, Oh, we've released something and then we've, <laughs> we're going to have to write another record. Like yeah. it's horrifying. And I, and to have the pressure of a major label, um, basically asking you to like, Hey, um, let's do another record because <laughs> of all the things that went wrong with the first one. And then you give them some stuff and they're like, Hmm, not feeling it. Of course, what we have learned is that labels are just terrible at hearing demos and hearing the potential in them. I don't I don't think it's even possible for them to do. And fortunately, they don't have to do it very much anymore. You can make a way better sounding demo now than you could in even 2005. Oh, oh yeah. Band no, they just don't have to out. use imagination. Uh, yeah, and so they don't have to use as much imagination, um, you know, but... Uh, I don't know. I'm just... I'm bummed that they didn't get... Uh, you know, we didn't get a new album from them in like 2007. That's what I'm yeah. kind of bummed about, but uh, that's how it goes sometimes. So let's go to the awards. Desert Island songs. Uh, Kyle, let's go to you first. What are two or three of your favorite songs on this record? Uh, since you went to me first, I did want to. I did want to plug a song from Acceptance that came out later. Okay. Um, Diagram of a Simple Man, which was on their first record, their 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 first release uh, after Phantoms. Uh, on colliding by design it's the first track it is the most acceptance it is the most phantoms acceptance like song that they've done since and it freaking rocks and it's like i thought that they had recaptured it and it's an opening track so like i was so pumped like this is gonna rock my face off (laughs) and it's the only one on the album like it the stuff is really good, but I everyone should check out Diagram of a Simple Man. It's definitely a Rockin's acceptance song. And sorry, here are here are my desert islands. Okay, let's hear it. Um, and I think I think ours will be a little bit different, but I I certainly think we'll have overlap. I went take cover 
gotta got I gotta take it to my island with me. Um different. The label wasn't wrong, even though they mishandled things. And uh lastly, I don't know I mean I really can't explain why I love this song so much. I just do I love the vibe of it. Uh Glory slash us. Nice. Okay. Chris, what are yours? Uh I went I went kinda obvious. I, I couldn't help myself, but yeah, take cover, so contagious. I'm always happy when those songs come on. Uh I think I've talked about before that like my music listening these days is I chop it up into four playlists a year for one for each season and take cover or so contagious. I swear like twice, twice a year just ends up in one of those playlists. Cause every time I hear it, I get, I, I love it. Um, and then uh, in too far um, just cause I love the dirty rock and roll song. If I could have four, I'd add different, but I know that song so well. I feel like if I was on a desert Island, I could just, you could sing it, just hum it, sing it in my head. <laughs> so I I'm, I'm leaving that off unless Blake will let me have four. I will not. Okay. Uh, sorry. <laughs> rules are rules. Because <laughs> here's the nice. thing. If we go to four, I'm going to want to go to seven on some yeah. of these records. Yeah. I'm going to jump straight from four to seven. I and thought then it'll the, just be the whole thing. I thought the remembering it in my head thing was a pretty clever way to work. No, that's it a good way to go. Um, yeah. I think I go take cover, which was on all of ours, because yeah, it's a great song. Um, I think I'm going different because it is a really, really good song, and I still really like it. And uh, and that doesn't always happen with the ballads. I I always gravitate towards the mid tempo ballad. And then, uh, like, that's always the, the, not always, but it's very often the song that's, like, I'm, like, very um, attracted to on an album, like, immediately. It's just uh, my thing. I don't know if, you, if you've ever heard my solo stuff, you'd understand why <laughs> I write sappy songs, too. Um, and, uh, but a lot of them don't hold up. You know, they don't, they sometimes don't hold up for a decade or something. Uh, this one does. So, so that's why it's on my list. Um, and then I think I have to go the letter. I just really like that song. So we all have a little bit of an overlap, but not totally in sync. Um, but I think the consensus is obviously that take cover and the, and different are, are really, really good songs as is the rest of the record. But, uh, something about the letter that I just really like. So that was, those would be mine. What about nobody's perfect? Kyle, do you have a song on here that you think is kind of a stinker or no, nope, I want to keep them all. Okay. Uh, Chris, what about you? Same, got 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 no, no nothing nothing to complain about here, man. That's I can't pick one that that serves the purpose of that request. I think I'm getting rid of um, Ad Astra, the instrumental. Oh, I just don't. Yeah. Eh, you know, it's like it's not terrible or anything like that. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't do what. It doesn't do anything for me, and it and it almost takes me out of what's going on. Like um, I don't know. Maybe that's mean. I don't know. But that that's my yeah. nobody's perfect. What about Grower Not a Shower? Kyle, do you have one that you maybe didn't like at first but grew on you? No, I, I don't I don't think so. Yeah, it's not like a subtle record. It's no. like Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Uh Chris, do you do you have a uh Grower Not a Shower? Uh, it's gonna sound weird, but so contagious uh, it didn't I, I didn't love that song nearly as much when I first liked the record because it starts off kind of, uh, you know, it kind of starts off slow. Yeah, we which is why about I don't this. think it should be right. track two. Yeah, and I think I kind of wrote it off a little bit when it first um, when it first came out. But like I said, now it's like a regular rotation, one of my favorite songs. So it's a bop. I'm totally a, yeah. I'm totally with you, Chris. I think it's <laughs> it's so contagious, and it's because I think it's mostly that like. 
I think a lot of times the reason a song didn't hit me is because it didn't hit me right based on what it either followed or was coming right after it. And it, I like almost didn't get a chance because either I was too excited to get to the next song because I love right. it or the tra- and I just feel like it's just a weird placement. That intro guitar part doesn't do it for me when it first comes in. But I am shocked at the like, I like this song a lot now and it would be my growers and I show her. I'm shocked that it has 10 times the plays that other songs on this record have. They like, talk about that in the article that uh, Kyle mentioned. I've got it. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, about how there's, why is this song the, the is, and this isn't the one that, um, uh, a day to remember cover, right? They did take no, cover. They, they, they did take cover. And actually I'm curious. I don't think we can do that in real time, but I, I am curious how many streams that has. Well, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm so surprised that, um, and I think that that I, I do love looking at the stream counts on Spotify because it, it does give you, especially on an album that was out before, you know, the single could be the bigger, you know, often that's going to have a higher play count just because of the nature of how the label releases it and whatnot and it being a single. But, I mean, you know, this has to be data that labels look at now, right? Like, where they go, like, look at this weird song that everyone likes, but we would never put on our list of things that should be a single. Like, maybe we're doing something wrong. At least that's what I would do if I ran a label. I'd be like, I'd be looking at these play counts of albums and being like, what, and trying to figure out what do people like about these? Because I feel like in this, this period of time, in the 2000s, so many albums had a track that was like, First of all, singles were a weird thing with a lot of indie bands. They they didn't really exist sometimes, but like there there are always that song on an album that everyone loves. It's on everyone's list of if we gave everyone a desert island list, they'd put it on their song and like taking back some what's the song on taking back Sunday? Um uh gosh, whatever. It's later in the album. It's not one of the singles, but everyone loved it. You're so last summer, right? It oh, wasn't yeah. a single. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loves that song, right? And uh you just look at that and you go, okay, well, if every one of their fans, this is like one of their favorite songs, like, why are you not releasing it as a single? Now, I know a lot of times bands don't want that song to be a single because, they, I don't know, it can kind of ruin it sometimes for everyone. But um, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes we we think way too much about the formula and then something like, you know, it's happened several times with long songs too. It's like seven and a half minute song. They're like, we're not going to put that on the radio. And then people... All they want to hear is that song on the radio. It happens, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody and that Celine Dion song that was like seven and a half minutes long. Jesus and, of Suburbia. Uh, Jesus of Suburbia. Uh, yeah, we're freaking. <laughs> and so, but I mean, those are good examples of like, you know, it's like, hey, everyone says that, you know, according to our little math and our chart here of our data that says this shouldn't be able to be a single. And people are like, no, we don't care. We will gladly listen to a good seven and a half minute song. Like uh, uh, Oasis, um, Wonder, uh, what's a uh, freaking Champagne Supernova. Champagne Supernova. You know what I mean? It's like, it can be long. It doesn't have to be three minutes. It does, I don't know. I just, I wish that, I wish that that was what we took away from streaming and, and music getting more popular, but it hasn't been. I feel like the labels are still doing the same stupid stuff they were, and it's even more uh, homogenous maybe, than it used to be. But maybe it has been, Blake. Maybe... They're just ramping up for when time travel becomes possible, and they're just going to change all of this, right? <laughs> they're going to go back in time and, and like, and all right, look put at out all so the, contagious. All right, but so <laughs> contagious, it's got the most streams. Um, yeah, if that's their long play, uh, good luck. I don't think that's yeah. a great business strategy to bring up uh, to the shareholders, but. <laughs> I don't know, Whatever. man. Once it exists, it will have always existed. So yeah, that's you weird. Know? That's true. <laughs> um, 
All right. Well, that's it for us on a weird note uh, about time travel. Thanks for listening. It <laughs> was a weird note. <laughs> and, and again, if you like what you hear, subscribe. Uh, you know, hit us up with that five star review on iTunes. Uh, and you know, like I said, talk to us. Uh, we love chatting with you on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the things. That's at Finding Emo Pod on any of the social stuff. Info at Finding Emo Pod if you're into emailing. If you want to write us a letter, I will not give you my home address. I'm sorry. Um, other than that, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.